hello and welcome to another episode of Serendipity Girl. I'm your host, Colleen, and I am on a quest to discover and fix my thoughts on things that are not only true, but are they also noble, right, pure, just, excellent, worthy of praise. And I'm so glad you've joined me. You know, it's a a wonderfully rainy Friday here. You may even hear the sound of the rain coming down. And it's November, which is a season of Thanksgiving. Because here in America, on the fourth Thursday of November, we celebrate Thanksgiving. But for the Christian, Thanksgiving really is every day. Now, Thanksgiving in our country is a time to commemorate how God spared the pilgrims that first year that they came over from England looking for religious freedom because they were not allowed to practice their religion of Christianity uh, the way that that they wanted to um, as the Bible dictates. They were being harassed and so they eventually decided to brave the Atlantic and come all the way over to what we know as America and if it had not been for the Native Americans helping them with crops and and tips for how to live in a country that was so different from the one they came from uh, they would not have survived so they had a big feast where they invited the Native Americans who were their friends and they celebrated together uh, just the their thankful hearts that God had spared them and had uh, saved them from death because many of them did die that first year. So this is a month of Thanksgiving and, and we know that Christmas is, is upon us. Um, they seem like they start celebrating it earlier every year, but for the Christian every day is Thanksgiving and for the Christian every day is Christmas because we get to be thankful for and celebrate the fact that because God loved us so much he sent his only son Jesus to come down even though he's God Jesus came down and allowed himself to be wrapped in human form um, yet without sin Uh, unlike the rest of us who all have sinned and uh, have done things that offend a holy God Jesus never did and he became our savior because of his sinless sacrifice on the cross for us so christmas for us is every day because we get to celebrate that god loved us so much that he he came down here to this earth to give us the gift of salvation that was going to cost him so much um because he would die a very painful death on the cross that would pay for all of the sins that you and I have ever done. And then Thanksgiving, uh, God gives us so many commands in scripture, like in first Thessalonians five verses 16 through 18, where it says, be joyful always and pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love that passage. You you guys know I love that passage. But I was looking at a Bible verse that I read the other day in a devotional in Habakkuk chapter 3 and in the Old Testament. And the story of Habakkuk the prophet was that he's looking around him and he's seeing in Israel in the southern kingdom of Judah from which Jesus would eventually come from the he was the lion of the tribe of Judah. Um 
Habakkuk is seeing all of the injustices in his country and all of the sins that his fellow Israelites were doing. And we can relate to that because look around you in the world. We all see how broken this world is and how broken relationships are because of our sin. And Habakkuk was grieved over that. And he was asking God, well, when are you going to do something about this? It's, it's really gotten to such levels. And, and I have to say, I, I just heard recently in our country, uh, in the county right next to mine, um, the school district, the head of the school district has made a rule that teachers can now not even, if I understand it correctly, they cannot mention anything to do with Christmas. No mention of Jesus, no mention of what he's done. It is all to be snowflakes and snowmen, Frosty the Snowman. And I mean, we've seen this secularization of Christmas happen. It's It's been coming gradually over time, but people are now getting hostile to the point that you can't even say Merry Christmas without it causing issues. Now, there's teachers in these schools uh, that will follow Jesus because he says, if you don't, if you don't praise my name. And if you don't stand for me, you know, if you don't praise my name, the rocks are going to cry out. And he tells us as Christians not to hide. We're, we're supposed to be like a lamp on a hill that, and, and doing good things that they don't save us, but they show that we're different. They show that we're saved. And then people say, what's different about you? And then they see that light, which is really the light of Jesus. And they're drawn to it. And so Christians cannot be silent. We cannot, like the disciples said when they were told, you cannot speak of this Jesus and what he has done. They said, you're going to have to determine whether it's right or wrong for us to do it. But we have to obey God and we cannot stop talking about what God has done for us in terms of salvation. And so, you know, they were jailed. Many of them were martyred. Um, so in our own country, we're, we're seeing... We're seeing a lot of things that are going on and, and a lot of things in the world with wars and, and all the things that are going on with Israel and its enemies and a lot of lies being propagated. And, and we see that people just aren't doing what's right. And, and that includes us at times. We sin too, even as Christians. Sometimes we do sin. And I'm so thankful that we have that forgiveness from the Lord. But for those who are not even interested and all of that, um, there's a lot of sin going on. And so Habakkuk was, was grieved and he wanted to know, are you going to take care of this God? And you know, when something bad happens to us, uh, like C.S. Lewis says, um, you find out what people believe really quickly when they appeal to this law that's written on our hearts, no matter where we're from or where we live. He says, if you don't believe that there's a law written on our hearts, that has been written by God himself, by Jesus Christ. Um, let somebody steal your car. Let somebody hit your car and then not do anything about it or steal from you. You would be appealing to this unwritten law and saying, well, that's wrong. And you would expect the listener to, to agree with you. And so, 
you know, back to what Habakkuk was saying, he's asking God, what are you going to deal with this? And, and we all want, like C.S. Lewis was saying, we all want justice, especially when something wrong is being done against us. Now we're always asking for grace when we're the one doing the wrong, (laughs) but we all want justice. And we all know that things like stealing and adultery and murder and all that, we know no matter where you're from, that it's wrong. And that's because God has written it. Um, He's hardwired it in our conscience and we can suppress it or we can turn to God. And uh, Habakkuk was seeing a lot of people suppress the truth. And we're seeing a lot of that in our country. And we're seeing a lot of that around the world. Wherever you are, we're seeing a lot of it. So God tells him, I'm going to take care of it. But the answer itself was going to contain pain. Because God was going to raise up the Babylonians as an instrument of judgment against the southern kingdom of Israel because Israel had started turning from the one true God towards idols and pagan religions. We don't see any of that happening today, do we? <laughs> no, we absolutely do. I'm being sarcastic. But Habakkuk knows that it's coming. And so while he's grateful that God is going to be bringing justice, he's he's sad. I mean, he's sad that it's going to come to that. And yet in Habakkuk 3, it's a wonderful passage. All of a sudden, he um, he says in chapter 3, verse 17, after he's been talking about the nation that is going to be invading us uh, and saying he's going to wait patiently for the day of calamity. Wow. Um, I mean, he says, my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones. My legs trembled. And he's, he's full of some fear and apprehension. But he says in verse 17, you see this very intentional attitude change. He says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Well, that's a lot of things uh, going wrong at once because that he's talking about food. I mean, they needed olive oil, they needed figs, they needed grapes, uh, they needed sheep for sheep's milk and, and for food, and they needed the cattle for, for dairy and also for food. And so he's, he's talking about a lot of things failing at one time, and he says, even if all these, though, he says, though all these things happen, Though all these things happen, yet, it's kind of like the word but, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. He uses all caps there. Uh, Well, it's written in all caps, which means it's God's covenant keeping name, Jehovah or Yahweh. And he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Even if things are not going the way I want them to, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Notice how the source of his joy is singular. There's one thing. What is the source of his joy going to be? Is it going to be all the blessings that they've been enjoying? Because no, because he says, that, you know, even if though they all be taken away, I will still rejoice and I will be joyful in what? In Yahweh, 
in God my Savior. That is so critical when we're having trials, which no one likes. Knowing the secret sauce to joy, knowing what enables us to obey the command in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, when it says, be joyful always. God is not a sadist. He knows that things are not going to go the way we want them to at times. He knows we're going to have trials. And yet he says, be joyful always. Could he be hearkening back? To the secret sauce that we see in Habakkuk 3, verse 18. Is it possible to rejoice in the Lord and be joyful just in God, our Savior? Well, that, that's key. He's, he's, if we know who He is, that He is the sovereign God, and if He is our Savior... We can choose to be joyful in that because being sovereign, I love that because the word, when I look at sovereign, I take the S off the front and then I see over and then if, and then I see the word rain. So it's S over rain. So if I put that S at the end of the word, <laughs> you kind of have to see this. To me, sovereign means that God reigns over. So if you kind of flip the word around a little bit, you've got the S, put it on the end of reign, R-E-I-G-N. And you've got a God who reigns over all. That's what sovereign means. He reigns over, and then I take the whole word, he's over it all. That's why he's sovereign. So Habakkuk goes on to say in this next verse, the sovereign Lord. Interesting how he suddenly pops. The sovereign Lord. Um, there's a connection between knowing that God is God. He is Lord. He is sovereign. And that means he reigns over all. Whether it's what's going on in Israel. Or whether it's what's going on in Ukraine. Or what's happening with Russia. Or I heard that there is some war going on in Rwanda. And uh, they're struggling with not having enough food. Uh, there are famines in certain countries like Kenya that happen and um, outside ministries will come in and bring food because they're not able to grow their crops. It's it's like this passage. The olives are failing. The figs are failing. Everything's failing. And, um, you know, God is, is sovereign over all of it. He's sovereign over the corruption that we see in so many governments around the world. And in many leaders that seem to want to take over the world, even now, it's like you look at some of these dictators that in the past, and I don't want to, don't want to mention the one with the H again, because I feel like I'm always picking on Germany and I'm not trying to, because I'm actually German American. My grandmother was German. She was Prussian. So, but there's other dictators, um, throughout history. And look at Napoleon. <laughs> there's Napoleon. Uh, there's, there's so many. And I think some would say that Lenin was. And, you know, what's going on in South America, like in Venezuela and all of that. Um, there's so many dictators and so much corruption in government. And yet the Lord is sovereign over all of that. You have to understand that Habakkuk was seeing a lot of corruption in his day. 
That's why he was crying out to God. There was a lot of injustice. So can we really rejoice in the Lord and be joyful in God our Savior no matter what? Even if all these things are happening that make our hearts sad? Absolutely. That's what God's telling us in Habakkuk 3. And that's what he's saying in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And in Philippians 3, when he says, rejoice in the Lord always. There it is again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Isn't it a comfort to know that we can have a source of joy, the source of joy. In fact, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love joy. It's the second thing mentioned as one of the fruit that, uh, I think it's just one big fruit that has all these different, uh, characteristics, but whether it's individual fruits, cause it says the fruit, not the fruits, but the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, and all that other good stuff. But joy is the second one mentioned. So for the Christian who has put their faith in Jesus, we have an in dwelling Holy Spirit who is joy personified. No matter what's going on, he has joy. And happiness is different from joy because joy is happiness fueled by Jesus. That's our source of joy. And it's a great reminder. And I want to close with what he says in Habakkuk 3 because he says in verse 19, the sovereign Lord is my strength. The sovereign Lord is my strength. If you're ever wondering where your strength is going to come from, if you wake up and you're like, I don't know if I have strength to do X, Y, and Z. Like when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, I don't know if I have strength to go and do Zumba. And that's a very, you know, just, or, you know, people may be saying, I don't know if I have the strength to face the grief. I know someone who is remembering their son's birthday today because he would have been 27 and their heart is grieved because he, he died a few years ago and their heart is so grieved because it was a choice that he made. It was an intentional choice. And how, how do you recover from that? How do you have joy? Many of us have lost loved ones. I lost my brother, um, when I was 32, I mean, no, he was 32 and I was 26 and we had just lost my father two years prior when I was 24. And then two years later, my mom and I lose my brother, who was really my cousin. They had adopted him from a bad family situation when he was only two. And they had raised him and they had done the best they could to be good, godly parents. And yet he still uh, went down some paths and made some choices. And and I prayed for him to be uh, saved from from substance abuse. This was my brother. And... He became a Christian because I got to, to tell him the good news of Jesus. And I was there when he placed his faith in Jesus, but he never recovered from the substance abuse. And that was the ending to his story that I never, ever thought in a million years would happen. And so I only mentioned these things. I mean, I know he's with the Lord and I had prayed that God would deliver him. And I realized later that God did deliver him. It was just not in the way that I had anticipated. So there are people living with question marks on trials that have happened and they've lost loved ones or things have happened and they prayed and they didn't get the answer that they thought they would. And all I can say is that it is faith and God's grace that gets you through this. And if you've got to fall, 
don't fall away from the Lord as many have done. And they're like, well, if God can allow something like that, I don't know if I want to trust and follow him. Don't fall away from him. That's exactly what the enemy, the devil wants you to do. Fall towards him, fall towards God. Even if you come screaming and crying and yelling and saying words that maybe the angels might be covering their ears. I believe that God's God would rather have you come to him honestly and just share with him what's on your heart because you know what he already knows he already knows you're not surprising him he knows like psalm 139 says a word before you even speak it he knows your thoughts from afar why not just come running to him so many people have run away from him because they couldn't figure it out don't let the fact that you can't figure it out keep you from trusting in him trust is the key that unlocks it but once that trust is there God gives you the grace and he gives you the joy because remember his spirit is living within you. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus and if you've never done that, read the book of John and it will tell you it is so simple. You can just come to God and say, yes, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you, but you love me, created me to spend all of this life and all of eternity with you in heaven. But I have a sin problem just like Adam and Eve did, the first man and woman of Genesis. And, and I know I've sinned and I know I can't be good enough. It's not a matter of me being good enough. It's a matter that you're spiritually dead until, until Christ makes you alive. And so it's not whether you're good or bad. It's, it's that we're dead. Now it happens to be that we're not good too because of the sin. But we're still creating God's image. And so if you just say, yeah, I'm a sinner. I've done sinful things and I understand I can't save myself. Will you save me? Jesus, I trust and believe that you're God. Like you said, you're Lord and your Savior and you died on the cross for me. And that was enough. And you're offering, you're offering the gift. I don't want to beg you. You're offering that gift to me. Will you? Sure. Yes. Will you come into my heart? Will you save me? That's a decision that I made when I was 13. I never have regretted it. I mean, I've been through some things I haven't understood that the Lord has allowed. But that at the end of the day, it's like... Lord, who would I go to besides you? Because you have the words of eternal life, which is what I believe Peter said in the New Testament. When they saw some things, they saw people walking away from Jesus because he wasn't meeting their, their expectations. He wasn't doing things the way they thought he should. So to rope all of this in, we can have joy because of God, because joy is living within us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And we can have joy no matter what. And it says in verse 19 that God is our strength and he makes our feet like the feet of a deer and he enables us to tread on the heights. Don't miss that. Louis Giglio, who is a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, um, has a wonderful sermon on that. Um, you can look on the website for uh, look up Louis Giglio, but he talks about, I believe it's called the Ibex, I-B-E-X. And I think they're kind of mountain goats. And I know that the text says the deer, um, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. But my understanding is that they're kind of related um, in this concept. I saw actual picture of a dam and there was an ibex, a mountain goat, perched on the end of it. God has made their feet, and I, I suspect some of the feet uh, types of certain deer, where they can do the impossible. They can literally climb up a sheer um, dam that's almost straight up without falling. And here is Habakkuk saying, 
The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. I think that's God's way of saying, you know what? When you think you're in impossible situations, uh, you're not. Because I will enable you to do the impossible because I'm going to do it through you or I'm going to do it for you. Those things that you think you can't face, those things that you think you can't um, deal with, those trials and all of that, this thing that you think you can't go through this valley, I'm going to make your feet like the feet of that Ibex or that deer um, that, you know, God says over and over about nothing is impossible for him. It's not us doing it on our own. It's him being our strength, him being our joy and him enabling us. And I do love Philippians 4.13 and I don't think it's pretexting in my opinion, in my humble opinion, um, to say that that verse can apply to anything that is God's will for you. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I understand the context of that verse is talking about learning to be content, but I think that he says, you know, I can learn, I've learned to be content because I've learned something even bigger that no matter what's going on, um, no matter what the circumstances are, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means anything that God calls you to do. It's not like a Superman verse, but it's anything that God calls you to do. He's going to enable you to do it. And that's backed up by other verses. And I don't know the reference, but it's as faithful as he who calls you and he will do it. If God's called you to go through a trial or something, or he's called you to do something that you're like, whoa, this seems impossible. Um, you've got his guarantee. So, well, we've said a lot of wonderful truths here. I'm really excited about it. And, um, I hope that this encourages you and, If you're celebrating Thanksgiving, just realize, you know what? You can celebrate Thanksgiving every day. In fact, it's a wonderful thing because God says, be thankful in all circumstances. First Thessalonians 5, you don't have to bring on all the food, but if you want to have a Thanksgiving party, why not? But it's a great, it's a great reminder that we can be thankful every day. And it's a great insurance against fear and worry and all of that because they have found out that the brain cannot be afraid and worried and thankful at the same time. One is going to push the other out. I would rather Thanksgiving push fear and worry right out of my heart. Wouldn't you? So go and have a serendipitous day and enjoy this Thanksgiving season. Until next time.